We're up here in Joshua Tree with Ernest Alloy, and we decided we're gonna start a little bit different today. Rather than just smash you in the head with a poem, he's gonna talk a little bit about his process of writing. And if I may, the, the last name is pronounced Alloys. I do, I do pronounce the S. That was my grandfather's oh, name. Alloys, yeah, thank you. Alloys, yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, I honestly I I feel like I'm still so new at I, I don't even it's new, it's just it's it's finding finding that process right now. It's just making that transition from one life to the next and and figuring out how what my best way of doing it is. So like you were just talking about Eli Henley about how she gathers all the information and does her poetry from there and, and I've done that I mean I've, I've got books and books of just scribbles here and there I've got napkins sitting on my desk with stuff scribbled on it and just kind of like you said write when you can what you can and, and then come back to it later um, and, I, and, and I tried to arm myself with a lot of these little notebooks things I can keep with me all the time so like a little book like this can fit in my pocket and I always keep it around and I'll write things down. I think I do get too concerned with trying to write the poem right away. Oh yeah, that's tricky, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I have a hard time with that. And actually a lot of the poems that I, I do have, I mean they look like poems when I write right away. And I and I wish I would stop doing that. <laughs> I just need to sit and open up my just dump my brain and put everything out on the paper and then come back and yeah, for because right. for me the imagery happens within the writing. Right. But if I stop and focus on the imagery while I'm doing the the free write, <laughs> then uh, th then I then I start doing that. I start oh I'm going to work on my poem now. Right. So whatever else could have came out that morning is not going to come out because I would stop and focus on the poem right. instead of the uh, process. Yeah. Yeah. And when I re when I wrote in college. I was much more what I would at this point in time call the right way of just dumping everything on the paper and, and writing. But then you go through three decades of doing technical writing and essays and so on. I mean, I'm a pretty good essayist and so on, but that's that's this kind of stuff where you, you do a lot of research, you got a lot of notes and things, but you get a little OCD about how everything comes together and having that vision, whereas poetry, it's... it's I feel like I have to loosen my brain up a little bit more, and that—that's been a—that's, to me, that's like the biggest thing I need to do right now is just get all the get all the neurons just kind of jiggle a little bit and let some other stuff in there, and not have to be so perfect right away, and not everything have to have, yeah, you know, break the rules, because <laughs> yeah. because you, you you go through college and you go through your professional career and you're told you got to do this 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 and this, and if you want this grant, you need this 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 and this, if you want to mm -hmm. prove this policy, you got to do this, 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 mm -hmm. and this, and you get so ingrained in that. It's like I miss, I miss the creative part of my brain, that that, that free flowing part of my brain, and that's right. that's a big part of why I'm I'm starting to do a lot of this thing because I miss it, I miss that part. So, but yeah, as far as process goes, I I think I do just like anybody else. I have notebooks I keep. I'm religious about having. I have my one travel pad. This thing. Went to a trip in Alaska one year, and we were AAA members. And they give you all the stuff in this cool thing. I'm like, 
this is epically awesome to carry with me in my backpack, in my car, in my, my I got myself a writing bag, and everywhere I go, this is my, it's like, this is this thing's been epic. And then I keep my little journal in here, and I got my pens and pencils, because I do love to draw. I paint a little bit when I can, and, and uh, yeah, I write down what I can, and, and, and then go back to the table and, and start pulling out the poem and play with it. But I do get too wrapped up in trying to write the poem right away, and I gotta stop doing that. I really gotta stop doing that. No, it so, depends. Yeah. Right? Everybody has their own little techniques, right? Or yeah. Things that work for them. Yeah. But I, but I think you also provided me with some of the best advice was making sure that with poetry, you know, again, think about your reader, think about providing them a vision for what you're seeing. I mean, it's one thing right, to put right. the thoughts down, but it's also that 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 advice really hit home with me is like creating that image. Yeah, Act, giving people something to hold on to that belongs to them too, yeah. and they become part of your poem. And there's been times when I write a poem. I don't know if anybody else does this, but sometimes when I write a poem, I think about. There's been a couple times where I would write a poem, but I would think of it as a riddle. I'm trying to write somebody a riddle. I want them to guess what it is and guess <laughs> what's going on. And sometimes I, I start doing that, and I'm like. You know, that actually didn't turn out too bad. It's kind of neat. <laughs> you know, I, it's just sometimes I've, I've done that. You know, the opposite. I'm saying to myself, nobody's going to understand this. I've got to make this so clearer. Right. <laughs> right. But I, I just, again, I think sometimes that I want the person to figure out what I'm doing, but I also don't want to give it away because I want them to think about it. I want them to look at the words and I want them to create the imagery. And then it's, and that's so. When I first do it, started doing choy needles, that's I was kind of doing that thing. But now I'm kind of after doing that, I can start feeling other things come through. Like I'm starting to have other images. They're just they're just images. That's where Dave Maresh is coming. Dave Dave's Dave's been great because it's just like just write down. It's an image. Who cares? It's cool, but just have an image, and it's kind of neat. And so I've been inspired by Dave a lot of, in a lot of those ways. Just just write the image, and it's been kind of neat to do that. I'm curious to know what you think about this one. Um, titled, Inspired by Dave. <laughs> Self-pity is the rich man's lot, bullied by the other 99%. He's done no wrong. Galileo fought the world and won. But don't tell that old white guy, wealth doesn't equal wisdom. He must have done something right to be so successful. Just look at his stuff. Look where he runs. A self-proclaimed thoroughbred, running in circles hurried along by the cracking crop of status, blind to his own slavery. So would you consider that a, I mean, it's, I, I, I question if that's a statement poem or is it? Well, you poem? started off with a statement, right? but then you went into other places with it. Right. So um, what, what would happen if you left that very first line off? Mm. Read it again without the first line. Self, without the first line? Yeah. So. Without the first line, I would just put, so it would just be, bullied by the other 99%, he's done no wrong. Galileo fought the world and won. But don't tell that old white guy, wealth doesn't equal wisdom. He must have done something right. To be so successful, just look at his stuff. Look where he runs. A self-proclaimed thoroughbred running in circles, hurried along by the cracking crop of status, blind to his own slavery. So there's still judgment in there, yeah. but it's not the same uh, judgment as this. Okay. See what I'm saying? I do see that. 
Ernesto was there last night talking about he was involved with poetry in the 70s. But, and it's happening again with, with uh, the new era, right? But the Nixon thing caused a lot of political poetry. I mean, tons of it, right? And there was the war before that, so that political poetry is like that. And But the hard part is to go back and look at it now. See, it's no longer interesting, it no longer has meaning, and what was it that we saw in that at the time? The, the, the poet was feeding our emotions and allowing us to be emotive about the, these subjects. So now what I saw it this morning on, on something, there's a lot of poets writing about the, the climate change. Mm -hmm. and, and so they're using language to help other people know what they're feeling. And the question is, is that, uh, is that judgmental or, is, or dictating things or is it helping people? Because what does poetry do? It helps people find things that they can't express for themselves. Why, 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 why do we read poetry? Is to find language that we want to have, but we don't. Or even find pieces in her soul that, you know, things you want to feel yeah. that, you know, you don't always are able to at a specific time. Yeah, for the poet to, to hit those hit those notes and say, ah, that's it, that's what I was feeling. I didn't know to put a word to it. But like Rich says, does it stand the test of time? Yeah. And Ginsburg was writing about this stuff. You go back now and it's like, you know, it's the references are lost. Yeah. It's, can you make it timely? Climate change, I think you can make it timeless. Right. Well, as long as we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's tough in this uh, political climate because, you know, a lot of poets are left-leaning. But if their poems are left-leaning, where does that leave their audience? You know, is, is it possible to write with, in a way that um, you're not letting people know what's going on inside you personally? Right as far as things outside you are. You know, if you're writing from yourself and, and leaving it personal without saying, you know, I hate Trump or I hate, I can't think of anybody else's name right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them all. I hate all politicians, you know. It's like, okay, so what? <laughs> so does a lot, so do I, so does everybody else in the world, but. Um, <laughs> it's not art. No, and that yes, that's that's this yes, it's not art. I think I think most of our poems have threads, right? Mm -hmm. And there's certain threads. Once you pull out the most obvious, you know, the vindictive stuff. When I mean, you have a thread, it's like, oh, that could, this came from the heart. Maybe I should expand on this. Maybe readers would understand this, relate mm -hmm. to this more. So I like to try to like throw a, a bigger net, like with all the pictures, and then find out how can I expand this besides my own ego or my own vision. Say, how can I turn to somebody else and say. Yes, that's what he's getting at. Yes, more universal that way. But I think all poems have threads that if you just follow them and expand them mm -hmm. and quieted other ones down, you'd, you'd change the vision would, would slant towards that area. That's where I think the, the art comes in. The art of knowing how to do that, mm. you know, okay. and making those subtle adjustments and bringing more heart into it, as opposed to starting up here all the time and in the head. I know that's what I try to do, because I can just go, 
you know, narrow but kind of broaden the field more, you know. Have you ever wondered why people live in the desert? I'm Dawn Davis, and I host Desert Lady Diaries podcast. It's a weekly conversation with women who found their home in the Mojave Desert. Each week, I talk to women who were either born and raised in the desert or felt called to come here and what the desert means to them. You can learn more about the podcast and listen at DesertLadyDiaries.com. Well, if it's just a story to begin with, beginning, middle, end, plot, and we should stay characters. there. We should stay there. <laughs> Flash fiction can go sometimes either way, but the story? No, the story should stay as a story. Yeah. Maybe a few, maybe smaller paragraphs so you can digest it. I like that part better, but I should stay in the format. It doesn't fool anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying there should not be a story in a poem? No, I didn't say that. Well, because no, should tell the story, okay. perhaps, but if it's a story uh, clearly with a plot and characters, no reason to make it a poem. Okay. Unless, unless, unless you're using music and rhyme and doing things like yes. a ballad, like you right. did yesterday, the ballad. I was going to ask you to read the ballad again because there's a good chance it got cut off yesterday. Oh, yeah. you were because of the time thing we had. And we got half an hour, and I know your ballad only takes a, what, five minutes? If you want me to read, I can read that one again. Because that way we, we would have it. Yeah. Well, you read it yesterday. You got to sing it today. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I do like to explain this because it, it might be the only one ever I write like this. Because, again, growing up as a kid, I worked at a summer camp and we had campfires every week for the kids. And we had a ranger that would be from this book of, of poetry and ballads and things like that. And it, it just I, I just knew at some point I... I wanted to write a ballad and hiking Lost Horse Mine. And I'm like, oh, this is the perfect campfire. But like, if I'm a, if I'm sitting in a campfire in the middle of Joshua Tree National Park, here's my campfire ballad to read. That's it's just that's how I wanted to go with it. So, the last lament of Johnny Lang. Gone out for grub, read the sign on my door. Having no burrow, long trek to the store. Out of the canyon, sharp cold winter breeze, by foot I travel neath the Joshua trees. Mojave desert, arid rugged land, mysterious mountains, coarse gravel sand, towering yucca, pinion, pine, and sage, creosote and choya swage this stage. Getting dark and weary, the going be slow, then old and worn, I can no longer go. Found a spot to camp and enrolled my bed, filled with hard pain, I'd be better off dead. With dried grass and shrub built a fire so crude, fried strips of bacon, the last of my food. Saved one for the morning, wrapped in wax paper. In the event, I finished this caper. <laughs> Clean starry night sky, no need for a tent. Body grows numb, mind begins to lament. Curled under my tarp, head drift into dream. Pondering the past, thoughts flow like a stream. I herded cattle, a cowboy by trade, from Texas through Mexico, southwest strayed. Dusty desert trails, herd would graze and roam, stopped in California, my final home. Our steers were content north of Salton Sea, when my horse chose to move on without me. Tracked, up, tracked him up the mountain, forward Sally, trail led me to this high desert valley. Behind a cabin, the horse I had sought, claimed by McHaney and his wicked lot. Known to be outlaws, gang of ill repute, I said, "'Twas my horse, they'd quickly refute." McCaney stood firm, spit chaw to the ground, staring back at me like some bloodthirsty hound. 
I argued a bit, enough to cause strife. Didn't press my luck, fearing I'd lose my life. Though stealing my horse, McCaney, I think, mentioned a miner, a local Dutch Frank. Curious about the hermit they'd bullied, walked the valley, found him spent and sullied. Frank said he'd found gold but wanted no fame. McCaney'd steal from a defenseless claim. His life was worth more than gold and rich grief. How could this be? Deny wealth? Disbelief. I left and returned with cash, arms, and men. Bought Frank's claim, a thousand dollar bargain. Lost horse mine, I probably said it be called. So much gold found, we were justly enthralled. Monin's hard work, my partners had their fill. Sold their shares to rhyme against my will. That Montana rancher thought to build big. Diggers, mills, trucks, a legitimate gig. Day and night, the labor would deliver. Amalgams of pure gold and quicksilver. But this was my mind, and much to my dismay, not enough yellow was coming my way. Rather than sulk, I stole an extra share. Whether it was legal, I did not care. Ryan claimed I was stealing, charges he'd file, unless I sold out and left in exile. He owned it all, my return he forbid. I stayed nearby to what I stole and hid. I could have left, spent my gold while hiding my face, but I found myself compelled to stay in this place. Soon after Lost Horse would run out of ore, I'd move back and reclaim my hills once more. Solitude, wide open space, grand landscape, sparse terrain to discover and escape. I wonder, will someone find my last stash? I grin, chuckle a bit, my fire is ash. Shivering cold with a clear star roof, ironic, leaving as I came, no hoof. Decades ago, golden wealth I admired, only to learn twas this land I desired. Last thing I hear with my soul now at ease, the whooshing of wind through the Joshua trees. <laughs>